0: At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everybody. Today we're debating whether or not cosmology points to God, and we are starting right now with Dr. Jeff Zwiering's opening statement. But first, I want to give him a proper introduction. So let me introduce you to Dr. Zwiering. He is an astrophysicist and is a research scholar at Reasons to Believe. He earned a PhD in astrophysics from Iowa State University. His writing and speaking encourage people to consider the connection between scripture's truth and scientific evidence. He is the author of Escaping the Beginning, Is There Life Out There? and Who's Afraid of the Multiverse? And co-author of the Impact Events student devotional series, Jeff is also a project scientist at UCLA. We're thrilled to have you with us, Jeff. The floor is all yours for your opening statement.
1: Thanks, James. I appreciate the time to be here. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I think of when I think of science is, you uh, that their idea people are putting explanations out there for what we see and how do we explain the world. And one of the things that I find interesting is that there are two explanations for gravity at this point. There's uh, general relativity, which says that gra- or space and time are this deformable substance that matter interacts with and energy interacts with and deforms. And, and that provides a, a great deal of explanation. It, it can explain virtually all the data that we see out there to this point. Uh, But then there's another way of looking at it that says uh, that we need to modify Newtonian dynamics. And here you've got an idea that the laws of physics or or the mathematical description of the laws of physics changes as you go to smaller and larger distances. And so you've got general relativity and MOND, both of which, if you sit down and do all the calculations, can account for all the data that's out there. But one of the the questions that seems to drive a lot of cosmologists or end up pushing people in the sciences towards general relativity is that general relativity just has a more natural explanation for the stuff that we see. It has a mechanism for explaining, why gravity works the way it does, why it's uh, you know, why black holes form, why uh, lenses happen, all sorts of things. It provides a physical mechanism and it just gives a bigger, more natural explanation for the phenomena we see, even though both of them can adequately explain or, or explain a large section of data that we have. And when I think of the question, does does cosmology point to God? that's kind of the context in which I think about it is, there are cosmological facts that we must deal with. There are uh, you know galaxies, the universe is expanding. Uh, it was hotter in the past. There are quasars. There's a whole slew of data out there that we need to explain. But then I think there's also the, uh, take a step back and say, all right, which explanation provides the best, most expansive, more natural explanation of everything that we see? And, and the reason why I think God and particularly the Christian God or Christian theism explains that better is that uh, when kind of three points. One is that Christian theism a lot or when, when you look at what scientific findings have found and the, the heart of Christianity, where it talks about physical evidence. Those two things align well. What we find scientifically, what we find in scripture align, especially when we're talking about the stuff that is important to the truth of Christianity or the message of Christianity. We find that uh, the Judeo-Christian worldview provides the necessary philosophical preconditions for doing cosmology in the first place, and I think uh, Christian theism just provides a more natural explanation for a lot of the things that people think are important in life. And I'll just give a, a brief brief explanation of each of those three points. When it comes to uh, things where Christianity or the Bible says, yeah, this is the way the world is, one of the things that stands out is the idea that there's a beginning. Uh, when you look at cosmology, uh, people or you know, cosmology for the last hundred years has been investigating this idea for a long time and continually proposing models where the universe doesn't have a beginning. Uh, even starting in the 1900s, the idea was that the universe was eternal it it existed forever, didn't have a beginning. Einstein uh, generates the theory of general relativity that points to a beginning. He introduces a cosmological constant, which would get rid of the beginning. Lo and behold, the observations don't support that. When Hubble found the expansion of the universe, that shows, okay, that's not the right way of looking at it. The beginning seems to be the better way. Whether you've got oscillating cosmologies where the universe expands and collapses, again, as people investigated, this model that seemed to get rid of a beginning the universe seem to say, no, the best explanations are the ones with the beginning. Uh, you've got steady state cosmology, where is continually being created in an expanding universe, so that you have an eternal universe. And lo and behold, as we look out and measure the universe, we find that that explanation also doesn't align with what we see in the universe. Um, you've got uh, the discovery of singularity theorems that say, no, our universe really does seem to have a beginning, it, or it, given these Basic constraints or uh, basic conditions, then there are these singularity theorems that say there's a past boundary to the universe. Uh, Whether you throw in uh, inflation and the multiverse, even those seem to have a beginning. And though we're in this era where we're trying to understand quantum gravity, and that question is a little muddier the last 100 years seems to demonstrate that when we put forward explanations where there's no beginning, the universe keeps pushing us back to a beginning. And so that's kind of what I expect will happen uh, given the history with our our studies in quantum gravity. So uh, this idea of a beginning, that God is outside the universe, created the universe, uh, seems to align well both scientifically and uh, that's a central part of what scripture has to say. I also think that in terms of the philosophical preconditions you need to be able to study the cosmos one of the things that must be true is that what we do here on earth has to be the same as what's going on out there so the way gravity works here or the way electromagnetic force works here those are the same throughout space throughout space uh, the uniform has to be constant there's got to be regular order periodicity um there the universe needs to be Uh, good so that we want to explore it, but it can't be divine because if it's divine, you don't study it, you worship it. Um, And I think probably one of the most important things in there is that our minds must be able to comprehend the order and regularity so that we can understand it. These are all things that are necessary preconditions for science to operate, and they just naturally flow. In fact, if you just studied the scripture, you would expect that to be true of the cosmos. And so other, you, know, you have to ask the question, do other worldviews anchor those things that are essential for the operation of science? And my contention is when you look at the necessary philosophical preconditions for science, especially cosmology, where we're studying what's going on out of the heavens, that Christianity really is the worldview that best anchors those things that need to be true for us to even embark on the study of cosmology. And last, and this is a little less cosmological related, but... I think Christianity, not only does it explain well the scientific discoveries that have been made, it explains well why we can do science in the first place, but it has a good explanation for why we think there's meaning and purpose and identity and these things that we see that, that virtually all of humanity tends to agree are important. Are well anchored in the Judeo-Christian worldview, and so you know, just kind of in summary, I think the three reason, the three kind of main categories of why I think Christian or cosmology points to theism is that the what we find scientifically aligns with what we find when we study scripture, especially when we're studying the important things. Not like did an axe head float, but what are the things that if these were not true, Christianity would really uh, lose its coherence, um, the necessary philosophical preconditions for science are well anchored and explained within a Judeo-Christian worldview, and Christianity just does a good job of explaining not only science, but also just the broad things of why it's even important to go out and look at the cosmos and try and understand it in the first place
0: thank you very much for that opening jeff and want to let you know folks if it's your first time here at modern Day debate we are a neutral platform hosting debates on science religion and politics we hope you feel welcome no matter what walk of life you were from and special one today because a hundred percent of super chats that come in are going to be donated to worldwide orphans which is a reputable charity they are linked in the description as well as their charity watchdog rating and we'll also put Post the receipt for that donation to the social tab here on YouTube after the debate. So, next up, Dr. Gojkovic is going to give his opening statement as well. Dr. Gojkovic was born in Chile, but currently resides in Germany. He obtained his PhD in astrophysics in 2017 with a double degree from UC Chile and University of Heidelberg. His expertise is in numerical simulations of gas dynamics around supermassive black holes. After three years working as a postdoctoral researcher, he decided to switch careers and now works in a software company as a developer in Germany. He's passionate about topics of science, communication, and critical thinking, as he believes they are a cornerstone for having a healthy society. So thanks very much, Felipe, as you like to be called. We are thrilled to have you here as well. The floor is all yours for your opening.
2: Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So first of all, thank you, James, and Mulder Debate for the invitation. This is uh, this type of discussions I really, really enjoy, even though I, I, I haven't had really the, the opportunity to to participate in many of them. Um, so to the topic at hand, does does astronomy point to God? Short answer, no. Uh, long answer, no. <laughs> I'll leave that joke for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> so let's get serious now. <laughs> so I would say it doesn't and it doesn't have to. So For me, the answer to this question is rather clear, since it falls into the same category as, does astronomy point to the meaning of of life? No, it is not supposed to. Uh, In order to have a meaningful discussion on this topic, however, we need to start by defining our terms. Uh, We could probably agree that point normally refers to, is there evidence, right? So we would want to establish what qualifies as evidence, or very still, good evidence. In my view, a very useful um, definition for this is one that uh, Aaron Wright normally uses. And it reads something like, a body of objectively verifiable facts that are positively indicative of and or exclusively concordant with one available position over any other. And for me, that part is clear. It's very um, key for this discussion. One available position over, over any other. Uh, so, if we are using this definition, the evidence for the God you are presenting it's to lift him up from the gods from other religions, uh, since we want to, um, since we want our observed phenomena to point towards one favorable position. So, in my opinion, this is not what we see today. A quick Google search will show you a plethora of apologists uh, claiming that a variety of scientific findings, findings not only from astronomy, fit. Perfectly with their preferred date. Furthermore, we can think of at least if if we can think of at least one naturalistic explanation of this for the same phenomena, then God is relegated to at most an interesting uh, proposition. Then I ask you, how useful is your God idea if it cannot be really distinguished from any other potential explanations? So with that point out of the way, we can go further further in today's topic, which is astronomy or cosmology. Uh, so in the, in the simplest terms, astronomy is the study of physics of the universe. And physics, as you know, is the collection of descriptive laws that govern, the, uh, govern matter, motion, and energy. So the operative word that is descriptive. As such, by applying the scientific method to study the natural world, we, need to, we have access to how things work. We do this almost exclusively using mathematical models. And we use math because we need to quantify measurements and predictions, and this is uh, the only tool that we have. So normally questions such as why are excluded. That's normally what we uh, what we see with science. Um, nevertheless, using these descriptive models, we sometimes can understand the underlying nature of the observed phenomena. However, always keep in mind that because models are tentative in science, the potential explanation of this underlying nature that we we ascribe to what we are observing, this is also tentative. So it is funny that Dr. Swiering brought up gravity because a great example of what I'm referring to this understanding the underlying uh, nature of things is gravity. So in the context of Newton's laws of motion, we were measuring some acceleration of falling bodies. So we were dropping an apple, for example, and we measured uh, the acceleration, and we could actually model that, saying, "Okay, uh, gravity has this uh, equation—the inverse of the square of the distance, so on and so forth." Uh, so we uh, understand gravity as a force. This, however, changed completely with Einstein's uh, general relativity. We don't—we no longer view gravity as a force, but as a geometrical effect. Um, now, gravity, we understand it as the movement of bodies in, the, in bent space-time. Uh, and this bending is produced by objects with, with mass. And even gravity is uh, something tentative because we, even though general relativity is a great theory, it has its problems since it cannot really explain all the observed phenomena and even cannot be really coupled with uh, quantum mechanics. So we know the general relativity is a great theory, but it's not, it's not necessarily wrong, but at least not complete. So why is all of this important? If we want to explore the possibility of God's existence from the astronomical point of view, we must then use its framework, the scientific method. So for that, we will need to introduce the God hypothesis. But a hypothesis, at least a good one, cannot be any wild idea. It must satisfy certain conditions. One, it must be based on observed phenomena, it must be falsifiable, and it must produce novel predictions. Only with this bare minimum criteria, we can then go into the world and test our hypothesis. Up to this point in time, any God idea I've come across focuses almost exclusively on the first point. The universe has X property, and this fits with the definition of the God that appears in my book. Fair enough, we can even agree on something like that, right? But if we are really serious about it, you would need to provide a descriptive unfalsifiable physical model that derives from this idea of God. Only then we can start exploring the actual possibility of its existence existence, and maybe understanding its underlying nature and properties, as we've been doing with gravity. There is a way to visualize how science works, and this I really like. Uh, We tend to build knowledge bottom-up we use a bottom-up approach. So we have a set of observations upon, will, upon which we build the models that we can, we can use to push further knowledge. And we continue building upon that foundation. In contrast, the way I see, apologists, uh, I see apologists argue for their religion is more top-down. They start with the conclusion, for example, that the Bible is true, and then they make it fit with what we observe. That's all well and good, but you cannot pretend that that's a meaningful, meaningful way to obtain knowledge, and it's certainly not really scientific. I haven't really stumbled upon a robust, a robust model for God yet, so uh, you still have a lot of work ahead of you. Put forward your hypothesis, perform your experiments, and try to falsify it. Write your publications for your models to be dissected by the scientific commun- community. And but until then, all the gods. God, God, God claims uh, are either just assertions or post hoc rationalizations of what you find in your holy scripture. Furthermore, uh, there is currently not accepted astrophysical theory that includes gods in its equations. And thus, uh, all we understand of the universe today doesn't really require his presence or intervention. So it appears to be an uphill battle if you really want to use cosmology to prove God. and there are not many more places left where you can put him as a valuable explanation. So in summary, does astronomy point to God? No. And while God remains in the realm of the supernatural or metaphysical spe- speculation, he will never do.
0: Thank you very much, Felipe, for that opening statement as well. And want to remind you, folks, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button as we have many more debates coming up in the future, as well as our guests are linked in the description. So if you'd like to hear more at any time during the debate, you can go down and click on their links below. That includes if you're listening via the podcast, as we put our guest links in the description box there as well. With that, thanks so much, gentlemen. We'll kick it into open discussion for about 50 minutes. The floor is all
1: yours. I guess if, if you don't mind, I'll start off. I was just no, listening please. to what you have to say. And, you know, I'm sitting there listening and I largely agree with a lot of what you have to say. Um, you know, the idea that when we're doing science, what we're doing is we're looking for what are the observations. And, lar- I, you know, we're largely looking for how things work. Um, two things that I thought were interesting, though, that uh, and, and I want to explore a little bit just to understand what you were saying. Um, One, you said that if we find any naturalistic explanation, then any sort of supernatural is just kind of relegated to an interesting idea. And if I and your last description there was talking about in order to prove God, uh, you know, if I got the sense of your point, it was you have to put forth, hey, here's what it is. And you have to distinguish it from the other ideas and. If if the way it sounded to me, and I'm going to characterize it, and if I'm wrong, that's what I'm asking. Please correct my wrong characterization. It sounded like you are saying, well, any sort of idea that there's a God exists, you have to show me that that is true. Whereas the idea that God doesn't exist is the starting point. Is that kind of what you're saying?
2: Not really. What I'm really saying is that if you cannot really have um, a collection of observations of evidence, uh-uh, sorry of evidence that we that you can use to actually distinguish from a naturalistic explanation or other gods or any other potential explanation then it's not really that uh it's not really evidence for that right I I can say the universe has a beginning that's evidence of um like bubble universes is, is the same as saying it's, this is evidence for God. It's, they're in the same level. I'm, I'm not saying one is favorable over the other. I'm not saying that the naturalistic explanation is necessarily better. I'm just saying that for me, it's not really meaningful using God if you cannot really distinguish it from a naturalistic explanation or other gods. That's what I was trying
1: okay. to say. Okay, so so in in a very real sense, again, I'm just trying to make sure I understand that you know we're going out and we're exploring scientific ideas, and if you want to say, hey, God exists, and you want to show that scientifically, you need to show how God influences what we're going to measure, and that same sort of standard would apply to whether no God exists, how that impacts the standard, and your contention is that science. Is one way of arbiting that, but there is no preferred, oh, supernatural or natural or super, or either God or no God is not a better explanation a priori, correct? Yeah, yeah, um, um, that's what I was saying. Okay, okay. So, so I guess my question in that is, um, is this just something where we kind of pull in our preferences? Because, in a very real sense, you know, so as a Christian, when I go do science, I'm not going and saying, all right. Well, God's going to work miraculous today, and this is the miracle I expect Him to work, and so I'm going to do that. I'm going to go in and say, "All right, God set up the natural world. I'm going to be looking for natural explanations given what I've understood so far, which I would characterize as what I've understood from His revelation of Himself." And so, you know, so that this is where I come to the description of you know general relativity and modified Newtonian dynamics. How do I decide on those? Because both of them have the, the similar sort of adequate mathematical explanatory power. There's no phenomena that we measure that can't be accommodated in MOND or general relativity, excluding dealing with the quantum mechanics. And I agree, we need to deal with quantum mechanics later, but let's exclude that area for now. Both of those have, largely, they can explain all the data. How do we orbit between which of those is correct or which of those do we believe? Is it just a personal preference?
2: I would say it's like, in case of in the case of mond in particular it's because it has uh, more uh, parameters basically so it's Occam's, uh, Occam's razor uh, general relativity have it has less assumptions built into it so for mond you need to actually have this mysterious uh, acceleration that is produced uh, at certain uh, scales and things like that and you are multiplying then the number of assumptions assumptions that you need to um and that you need to to have in order to to make it work as a as a potential explanation, I would say that's the almost exclusive reason why we prefer uh, um, general relativity over over MOND. At least in the broader sense, we maybe we can even discuss things like dark matter and things like that. But um, yeah,
1: well, no, I would agree. That's yeah, I mean, I, I tend to think general relativity is correct and MOND isn't, and you know, there's this intuitive feel I have, and I think it's largely well, what you're saying. That's Mayor. an
2: interesting debate.
1: <laughs> it is no, you're right. <laughs>
2: um,
1: that, that's kind of my contention is when you look at Christ, or when when you're asking the question, uh, not so much why do or uh, why do planets orbit around stars. Uh, you know that there is some mechanism we call gravity, and we're trying to understand the explanation. That's what Mond and general relativity are getting at. But when you ask the question, why can we scientifically investigate things? It seems like Christianity has less parameters that are put in. Um, Because there's a reason why the laws of physics are, or the universe behaves so reliably is that in Christianity, that, that's anchored on God's character, that God upholds creation. If he were to withdraw his hand, it would simply tumble into non-existence. So the reason why it's so regular is ultimately anchored in God's character. So that's no longer a knob or a dial that I have to tune to make it that way. Whereas when I look at a naturalistic, where there is no God, I, I'm kind of just left with the universe just is that way, um, You know, is, is the sense I have. And maybe that's a wrong way to characterize it. Um, But then I ask, you know, why is it that uh, the universe is so reliable and regular and orderly mathematical? Well, again, that flows out of God's, the mind of God. That's why our minds can understand it is because we're created in his image. And so all of these things that are necessary for science to work seem to be specified. And, you know, these are like central features of Christianity, not kind of peripheral things. So Christianity anchors why I can do science in the first place. That's part of why I'm arguing that, you know, science in particular, cosmology, but I would say science in general points towards God, because especially when it comes to cosmology, we're relying on the fact that all this stuff out in the heavens that could behave very differently and not, not at all relate to what's here on Earth. That's all well explained by Christianity, and it isn't, in my assessment, by uh, a, a no god worldview, or even a lot of the other of the other religions out there. So, um, trying to think of a question rather than just a monologue. There. Uh, <laughs> so, h- how is it, how is I'm presuming you take a, a there isn't a god or there there's no god or in your view, what's the way to explain why we can do science in the first place in in that worldview? So can can you rephrase the question because I don't I'm not sure I understood it. So okay, so yeah, let me. So I would argue that God explains why the God of Christianity specifically explains why the universe is orderly, regular, has a mathematical basis, why our minds can understand it. I have an explanation for that. In your worldview, how do you explain those features that are required for science to be able to operate in the first
2: place? Simply, I don't. So I, I don't really have an explanation. So. The the, okay. the simple the simple answer is I don't know and I don't really focus that much in the why like I said normally when we do science we we deal at least if we do physics and astronomy is uh, mostly descriptive so we don't really care about the why the philosophical why let's say um, doesn't really interest me in particular um, also it's not something that you can really access with observations right. So if we are debating for evidence, evidence means observations, then it doesn't really come to that, I would say. Um, So let me ask you a question now. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're saying that for you, God, your God in particular, is the reason why. So what kind of observations or evidence, anchoring astronomy, because this is a topic today, would distinguish it from other gods, from the god of the Quran, for example? Well, one,
1: I haven't studied other religious books extensively. I've spent most of Mm -hmm. my life studying Christianity. Uh, We can argue why that's a good thing, if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But what I do know is what Christianity has to say. And so the reason why I would argue that Christianity points, or yeah, that that provides the best explanation, is that when I look in Scripture... Um, you know, just starting in Genesis, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So there's a beginning there. When I look at the scientific record of how much the scientific community has pushed against the beginning, and yet the beginning still seems to be the dominant idea that says, okay, yeah, this thing that scripture says aligns with what we found scientifically. Um, When I go look at the you know, the next, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens, the earth, the earth was formless, void, darkness is on the surface of the deep, spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. When I go look at what we find in the early earth, that it was this kind of structureless formless, dark ball, water covered in water. Again, I find a similar description. So the reason why I think Christianity is more favorable is that when the Bible describes this universe, what it says in ways, in ways that we can go measure scientifically, I find that they align very well. Um, and and that's not a simplistic, oh, everything matches up. I mean, there's a lot of study that goes into that. But, you know, honestly, I find most things that we found scientifically required a lot of study. So that's, uh, yeah, just because it's hard to do doesn't mean it isn't. But as we've understood what scripture says, and as we've understood what, how this create, or this universe works, I find that they just line up in those places where it's fairly clear, uh, you know, and, and that that kind of white or it, it glosses over that Christians argue a lot about what the Bible means. I mean, you know, there's some who'd say the universe is 6,000 years old. Some say the universe is billions of years old. The Bible, you know, so it glosses over a lot of that argument discussion, but I see a lot of those same sort of arguments in the scientific community. And so I at some point, I've got to step back and say, okay, what does the, the best evidence of what we know point to. And I, I do that same thing with scripture. And I find that in those things that tend to come to the surface of these are the things where there's pretty good consensus, where we're pretty confident of those things tend to align between the two. Um, so that's why I advocate that Christianity is a good explanation to me. Anybody else that wants to advocate for a good explanation has to do that same sort of thing. So. Sure. Sure.
2: Sure. And um, so you, Count like points in favor of Christianity, things that aligned, align with with scientific findings, right? Mm-hmm. What about the things that don't align? Do you can do? Do you count those as against uh, Christianity being true?
1: I do, and and what I what I try, you know, the, there's, you know, I said I glossed over a whole bunch of stuff, and the, the, in, the, in part of that discussion is it's not just, well, I found these three things that align, therefore, and there are these eight things that are wrong. I, I do, you know, I think it's important to look at it in total of saying, okay, um, you know, it, if Christianity says there's a beginning, and we measure there's no beginning to the universe, that would be a strong point in against Christianity. And, uh, you know, honestly, in in terms of the scientific discussion, uh, you know, the last 100 years has been pretty instructive, but it's kind of interesting. And one of the things that I wonder is, like, why did science or you know, people more than 100 or before the 1900s not worry about science seeming to say that the universe was infinite or you know, eternal so that's that's one of those questions that i have um, i think there's an explanation for it so yes i do think it's important to not just look at the points in favor i think it's important to look at as complete a picture as you can and that's part of my contention is that when you look at the complete picture of 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 everything that we can i think christianity does a better job of explaining all of that than any other world view in terms of whether God exists or not. So whether there's no God or whether there's different gods, I think Christianity does a better job of explaining all of the important pieces of data or the bigger pieces of data. Maybe not important. It's not the right way to say that.
2: So uh, my question for you is how tentative it would be the God explanation for you. Like, let's say put it in numbers from 0% certain to 100% certain. Where would you be in on that scale?
1: Well, in my personal study, I've I've investigated a number of areas where I thought there could have been a genuine conflict between what Christianity said and, and what our latest science or what the best scientific evidence had to say. And as you know, I've you know investigated the multiverse. I've investigated: is there life out there? Is the universe designed? Um, is there really a beginning or not? Uh, you know, what about artificial intelligence? What I've found is that every time I've investigated that. I have found that there is a very solid and coherent way that I'm not kind of trying to explain scripture away to make it fit, but where it's like, yeah, this is the thrust of what we're finding scientifically and what we're finding uh through the Bible. I found a lot of that. And so my, you know, that coupled with my personal history gives me great confidence that Christianity is correct. Um, I'd put it somewhere more than 90%, um, probably closer to 95, 98, 99. I, but if I'm honest, there are times where I'm sitting a lot, I, I do spend a fair bit of time. It's like, what if I'm just wrong? What if I'm just, this is what I've been taught. And so I'm inclined to accept that. And I found all the data. I, I do wrestle with that question. I do, as I've wrestled with it though, I have to go back and look at the data and the data where I've said, oh, maybe Christianity's wrong. I've found this compelling or found consistent evidence that Christianity with, uh, stands up under that scrutiny. and so. I think that's a great question. I you know, I've, I've actually kind of, if you don't mind, I don't know what, you, I'll let you articulate what world view you think is best, but uh, how tentatively do you hold yours? And
2: what gives you reasons? Yeah, so it's good? I haven't told you what's my position yet. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I don't, I don't believe that God exists, but it's not that I believe that God doesn't exist. It's like, for me, it hasn't really, like, he hasn't met, it's burden of proof, so for me it falls into all, all other potential explanations of uh, of how the universe came to be, like multiverse or w- mm-hmm. whatever is your your preferred explanation. Like I have no really horse in this is on this race, so I take like the coward position. For me, I'm just withholding um, judgment. I'm agnostic in that in that sense until um, something. Brings uh, forward something that it leaves the explanation over all all others. So I don't really, and for me that's as tentative as it can be, right? Because I don't hold any like strong position. For me, I would say it's, I would say it's more likely that it is uh, something naturalistic, like multiverse or the inflationary um, models that predict that you have universes popping in existence in this like larger universe and, and so on so but it's as tentative as it can be because i, I don't really have a strong position
1: okay okay so so you you I, I was trying to think how you said that you don't believe god exists but you don't say no god exists is that the way you said it exactly
2: it's okay. it's very important <laughs> okay so that that, that that negation is important
1: no i that's what i was impor- trying to understand uh what you're saying there um so in in how does that pl- what what weight then does science have in answering that question in your mind uh it, it kind of and, and this is the Nate, the flavor of my question there it kind of sounds like you're saying all right we can go out and explain you know describe how the world works and that's that's a really fun scientific game and I, i'm not minimizing that but that's just a fun scientific game does what we find scientifically weigh in on whether god exists or not
2: and if so, how? I would say, like, so in order to access that, we need a better theory, right? So the, our main problem right now is that we cannot access really the, the singularity, the beginning of the universe, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, general relativity, as amazing as it is, it's actually wrong. It's incomplete. Um, yeah, it's so we need a better theory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like that. I, I, I just... <laughs> I just like saying it because it bothers people. <laughs> fair
1: point, fair point.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it's an amazing theory. And with the observation of uh, um, of um, gravitational waves, uh, it, it proved to once again, that it's uh, quite an amazing theory. So, yeah. And um, I lost my train of thought. Um, I wanted to say that um, yeah, that, that would be the way for me to actually explore that, right? Because that's how we do it in, in, in astronomy in general. We, we have our our theory, our, our, our hypothesis, we do our predictions and then we fal- we try to falsify it. And doing that, we can access sometimes the nature of things. So we can start saying, okay, this is what this is, like, like gravity. Gravity right now is this uh, deformation of space-time and so on and we can understand things further, we, we, we can access the nature of it. So that, that would be for me, the way to actually reach that point, the point of that we cannot access for, uh, with, with our theories right now. Um, so I would say it's really difficult to actually have an answer right now with the, with the current state of uh, things in, uh, in astronomy and, and physics.
1: So if, if uh, it sounds like in what you're describing that science is kind of this arena, which we can go and play and explore the real world, that if if I got your position, kind of the best way to approach whether God does or doesn't exist is to take a let's wait and see approach. It may be that he doesn't, it may be that he does. Um, I may favor or tend to lean one way or the other, but science is not inept, but very inadequate to address that question. Would that be an adequate way of or, or
2: for caric- sure. characterization? For sure, for sure. It, it has scientific method is amazing for a very narrow way of thinking. It's, mm-hmm. At least with physics, we are describing how things work. Um, and we are not. We are never, never proving something. We're just trying to falsify it. And if we cannot do it, then it means that it's strong. And we continue moving forward. But, so yeah, it has these limitations.
1: you know in, in your description or in your opening statement, I remember you saying something to the effect of you know that there's all these different people arguing my God exists and that you just don't think there's the scientific evidence to support that um Do you agree that there are people saying, well, the science points to there's no God existing
2: and that that falls in that same category Absolutely absolutely so if you make a claim like that you have to actually have evidence so if you say god did it you have to have evidence for especially for the particular god you are uh, arguing for and uh, if you say no god because that's something that we can we cannot really tell right and actually this is something i wanted to bring up because you say beginning right so if I understand correctly, maybe i'm I'm wrong, you you can correct. Um, for you, that would be like the strongest point uh, of towards your God like um that we have a beginning of the universe, right there is that would that be a fair assessment? That, I don't know that
1: it's the strongest point. I think it's an example where science has pushed. Seems like science has pushed to get rid of the beginning, and yet it seems to stand pretty strong. I think there's strong evidence in support of a beginning, and I think that's a very fundamental feature of Christianity. That's That was
2: why I used that example. So, But the thing is that, and that, this is the point I wanted to bring up, is that we don't really know if, if that's actual, the absolute beginning of the universe, right? Because we cannot really really access that, that pesky little fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a second after the big bang right so that that, that singularity um we cannot really access it so we cannot really say much about it we, and in that sense we cannot really say that was the beginning of the universe because we, because we cannot access that t equals zero So that's no, why and, I, was
1: and, and I, I agree with your point and that's uh you know i mean if you part of the reason why i articulate it the way i do is that i recognize uh, you know, if if, I, if I'm if I'm honest, and you know, getting to the point you're making, when Einstein proposed his theory of general relativity, it entirely changed how that discussion happened. Of the beginning, uh, whether there was even a beginning wasn't a scientific question. the 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 theory shaped the way the question was answered because. Space and time are now these dynamic quantities, which we can actually scientifically weigh in on. Whereas in Newtonian dynamics, space and time are pretty much just these entities that exist, that everything happens within, and and are unchangeable. And so it changed the nature of the discussion. And part of what I I recognize, and I'm and I'm tentative about the answer simply because I realize that if we get whatever that quantum theory of gravity has, has the potential to change the way we talk about that, to change the way we have that discussion. Um, what I find intriguing is that one, there are people who will say, and I, and I don't, it doesn't seem like you're in this class, but people who will say, well, we've got these explanations where there are no beginnings, So we can't say whether there's a beginning or not. Uh, there are some who will say, well, because I've got explanations where there's no beginning, therefore I don't have to say there's a beginning. I think that misses that there's this history that does seem to point to a beginning pretty strongly. So it's not like we're coming into this and we have no idea what's going on. There's been a lot of evidence pointing towards, Um, but there's also this recognition that what we, we don't know what's going to happen in that quantum gravity era. And so we're all kind of speculating what the answer is going to be. My speculations informed by I would say, you know, the the universe keeps pushing us towards a beginning, if I were to characterize the history of cosmology over the last hundred years. But someone who comes and says, hey, I've got a few models where there's no beginning. And so I don't have to believe in a beginning. I'm like, yeah, fine. You know, as long as we're not trying to argue, you're not coming in and saying, hey, quantum gravity says no, God exists. And I'm not coming in and saying, hey, quantum gravity says there's a beginning, therefore God exists. We're both saying, hey, quantum gravity, we got to, this is going to be messy and muddled for a long time. Uh, we don't know what's going on there. So in, in a very real sense, I would argue that's not useful for weighing in on that question just because there's so much up in the air with what, what's gonna pan out of that right now.
2: Sure, would you sure, agree sure. with that, that or not? Absolutely. And okay. I, it is probably the beginning of the universe, but uh, yeah, my, my, my question would be again, I, and it's, I probably already asked this, but how do you distinguish between a naturalistic explanation for that beginning with God of Christianity, for example?
1: I, I think that's a fascinating question for this reason. Uh, you know, you ask, scientifically speaking, how do you say there's a beginning? Uh, well, I mean, anything else, I just go back and I measure before and after. Well, fundamentally, if we're talking about the kind of beginning described in the Bible, there is no before and there's no, oh, here's T equals zero. And so it's, it's just, uh, scientifically speaking, it's been fascinating as I've thought about, you know, what have been the markers? So, you know, you've got the Hawking Penrose singularity theorems, which say that uh, you know, the quantum trajectories cross and you get singularities. That's a beginning. Well, you know, again, that's not a measurement. That's kind of an extra area, you know, it's a theoretical extrapolation of uh what we know, you know, and so so even you know, when you're talking about inflation, there are other singularity theorems that say, okay, there's got to be a past boundary. Um honestly, I think it's just a fascinating question. The idea that it even corresponds to Christianity at all, or what the Bible has to say, is remarkable, in my opinion, because it could be so many different ways. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 I'm inclined to think we agree that there's a lot of data thus far that is pointed towards the beginning uh, but the true answer to that question, we need the quantum theory of gravity and we should be tentative in our conclusions until our tentative in our extrapolations until we get that quantum theory of gravity and can truly answer the question. Or maybe we won't even be able to answer it then. So, Sure,
2: but I'm not really convinced. And this is where I, I show my colors, I would say. Uh, I'm not really convinced that the actual uh, account of creation, let's say, from the Bible is really that accurate. Um, yeah. Okay. For example, like the, the the order of things that happen, also the phrasing, you can maybe argue it's a translation issue or so on. But it it doesn't really seem to fit to actually with the description of how the universe evolved from this beginning to where we are right now. Right? Can you can you give an I mean can you give an example
1: I mean I, like you know, plants coming before animals? animals. Yeah, go ahead and give me. Can you just I'm just curious what you see as a discrepancy there?
2: Yeah, like plants coming before animals. Right. But even though it's not really astronomy, but uh, that's not. So yeah, I don't remember exactly the which day of creation was the the plants were created and then the animals and so on. But yeah, the,
1: well, yeah, the, the plants come up on day three and the animals show up on day five. So,
2: yeah. So that's not really what we've found uh, with uh, how life evolved on, on Earth, at least. So no, that's fair. I would, I would, uh, yeah. I would, there, there
1: is one aspect of that that, uh, um, you know, the, the, the phrasing there is a little bit odd in that uh, it's not clear whether the plants showed up on day three or whether the plants, that the land is the focus of day three, and the land is what actually has the plants. And so so there's a little bit of, you know, this is a place where you can get in amongst the Christians and argue about what is it actually saying there. And uh, you know that, that's why I, you know, I glossed over a lot of that. Uh, I find that same sort of challenge when you're dealing with the science as well, as there's a lot of things that seem really fuzzy. But that, that's why in, in my assessment, part of what you have to look at is if if uh, the plants showed up on day three, or the plants are a foreshadow, or you know that the land is going to have the plants, and so because the land shows up on day three, that's when the plants are mentioned. Is that going to fundamentally change the way we think about Christianity? And it turns out, I I would argue, amongst those Christians who are arguing about it, no. Um, So that's, yeah, I mean, that's probably not a particularly satisfying answer, but I don't don't know
2: that that's a fundamental contradiction, I guess, so. No, no, I'm not saying contradiction with itself. I'm just saying that you're saying that it aligns, and I find some level of disalignment disal- misalignment sorry um, my spanish is coming through oh, uh, <laughs> uh, and um, that's why i'm not really convinced about the god of christianity and mm. we can argue about other gods and so on but um, um so I, I I kind of I think I had another idea, but I forgot. But let's let's uh, move forward the topic. I I actually have a question from before, because you said that the beginning wasn't really your strongest uh, piece of evidence. So I ask you about your level of confidence. It is quite high. That's that's uh, mm-hmm. that's. Uh, I'm glad you answered that. Thank you. And um, so, what would it take to bring down that level of confidence? Like w- what? So, in, in a sense, of what could falsify your idea of God? Something that would really, really shake it? The, ans- the absence of, of a beginning or something different?
1: Well, I mean, I think when it comes down to it, at its fundamental level, there's one true thing that would falsify Christianity is if Christ didn't rise from the dead. I mean, that one singular event, all of Christianity hinges upon. If that doesn't happen, um, you know, I think the hard part about that is that's not something, you know, it's hard to go back and investigate that. Although I think there's a lot of people that have spent a lot of time addressing that. And I think there's pretty strong evidence in favor of that. Um, I just, you know, the, the things that need to show up, I don't think there's a single thing outside of that. I think uh, there would need to be a growing body of evidence that um, the the bible's description of events that have happened in history whether that be out in the cosmos or as the people that live a growing body of evidence that it just doesn't line up and that the bible was intending to describe historical events so if there was not an exodus if there was uh you know if there was never a nation of israel or david wasn't a king um you know these are things that are pretty key to the message of scripture um, and where it's it gives things as though it's a historical account, um, where that the, the weight of what we actually know argues that those things are not correct. That would be a very troubling thing that would say I'm I'm much less confident than the truth of Christianity.
2: Um the yeah, hard part that's is really that a, most of that's most of that's what's really been astronomy, done, right? Done it. What's that? That's really that's not really astronomy, right? So from from my astronomical point of view, what would be observations that will, what would be the failsafe of your God hypothesis? Would it it be the beginning? Would it be like the fine tuning? So this is
1: what I would say. I would say, you know, again, my question would be, okay, what does the Bible say about the heavens and what could I find that would show that incorrect? I think if there was no true, if there was no beginning in any sort of fashion, I think that would be, very problematic cuz the bible does talk about in the beginning you know that that's not a that that's said in genesis but it's said multiple places that ultimately there's something beyond this creation is what it's re- referring to um that uh if the if there were it's going to sound like retrospect if if the if the heavens didn't behave reliably Again, because that's anchored in God's character, if God's kind of flaky, uh, which would be, you know, that that would be uh, a reflection that the God as revealed in Scripture doesn't isn't isn't behind the universe. Uh, The problem is a lot of those things have pretty ample evidence in supporting them. And so that the weight of that evidence would need to degrade that either uh, that when we look out in the heavens, that the laws of physics are not as reliable as we think they are, or there isn't a beginning. Or there isn't some aspect where the universe looks designed for a purpose. Uh, those are things that I think the Bible's pretty clear on that uh we can weigh in scientifically and looking at things. The, the problem is how that actually plays out and looks outside of the beginning. It's not like here's here's the only way it plays out. It's it's a stepping back from the science and then asking a philosophical question about them. So
2: yeah, absolutely. So you said something. Maybe I, I misunderstood, but you said, like, the laws of physics as, are anchored in God's character?
1: Yeah.
2: How would you know that?
1: Well, well okay, because that's what... You're making a so
2: claim that. Right?
1: That's what Christianity... Uh, in you, when you ask the question, how does... <clears throat> excuse me. What is the reality and why is creation here... Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, my idea for a longest time was, you know, God just kind of created the universe and is sitting back watching it every now and again. And I realized that in his historically, as people have studied scripture and say, who is God and how does he relate creation? That, uh, one fundamental aspect is that creation is not independent of God. It's, uh, intimately tied to his sustaining hand. So he is upholding creation and that means that the reason why it behaves so regularly is ultimately anchored in his character and i would argue that's why the laws of physics look the way they do is because he upholds creation so reliably that we can talk about things like the laws of physics that there's a that there is a description of or you know that things that happened yesterday are going to be the same the physics that was governing yesterday is the same as the physics today is the same as the physics in the future um i'm kind of mixing theological and scientific terms there but so, if we found that as we're investigating the universe that uh, things were radically different as we look throughout the universe, not in terms of uh, in terms of how the physics itself operates, that would be a strong argument against the truth of Christianity. Because again, the way creation looks is anchored in God's character in 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 the Christian way of thinking.
2: But isn't that cheating a little bit? Because you are not. There is no really way of knowing if this is the laws of physics are the way they are because this is something fundamental about, let's say, reality, right? Or this is like you say anchoring God's character. So because um, what I'm trying to say is that you're making a claim there, but how would you know that? What's the evidence for something like that? Because you are you are using something uh, like we've established. Like, or something that we use as an axiom, at least. Like, the laws of physics behave uniformly around the universe, the observable universe, at least. And that that is, it seems consistent to what we actually observe everywhere. But then you are borrowing that and saying, oh, this is because it's anchoring God's character. How would you know that? There is no way of knowing that, right?
1: But what I would argue is that historically, when you look at that, you go back prior to Newton... And the idea there were the way the heavens behave, you know, we might be able to make predictions, but the laws that operated here on earth were very different than the laws out in the cosmos. Mm -hmm. And part of what Newton, you know, Newton wrote more on theology than he did about science, believe it or not, as much as as much as he contributed to science. And one of the reasons why he came up with his universal law of gravitation was the recognition that gravity works the same here as it does out in the cosmos. And so that's a theologically driven idea that turned out to be correct. So it looked. It today I'm cheating. You could argue that I'm cheating about it. But historically, the way it developed was Newton's recognition that God is operating and sustaining creation. That's why an apple falls to Earth is the same explanation as why the moon orbits around the Earth. Is because ultimately the laws of physics out there are the same as what's here on Earth. Prior to that you couldn't understand what was going on out in the heavens because it was different than what was going on here on Earth. So that was, in some sense, a prediction. I I think it's a little messier than just saying it was a prediction. But it is something that the reason why we think things are so reliable out in the heavens was ultimately anchored in theological ideas of how God upholds creation.
2: So that's why I think that. So, Okay. Yeah, but there is no real an observation that you can point to, to that actually would would lift that explanation, like God is the anchor for the laws of physics?
1: Well, it, it would take a body of evidence. Uh, you know, And I, I I could ask the same question, you know, what observation would say that would tell you that general relativity is wrong? And the reality of it is there's not an observation. There would be a growing body of evidence that general relativity can no longer explain what we're finding in the universe. Now, the problem is... At this point, no, yeah. There's this long history of it's done a good job of explaining. That's what I would argue in terms of the cosmos. Christianity has a good job of explaining what we can measure. It may well be that we've kind of exhausted what the Bible says about creation that we can measure, or you know, about the cosmos in terms of astronomy. That, that's that's a distinct
2: possibility. Um, and yeah, so but you're kind of kind of smuggling the idea of so we are here, we say laws of physics uphold here as the same as outside. In the universe and you're saying this is here so the because this works it means this works but there is only the way of knowing this and not this step the step that you're going forward right because you someone else can use this exactly the same arguments to say the god of the quran is the one that is uh, anchoring uh, the laws of physics i i assure you that there there are people out there arguing exactly the same
1: no i i do and and i think it's more complicated than what you know it's, So if you're asking me, what single thing could we do that would show Christianity is wrong or that should convince me that Christianity is wrong? At this point, there probably isn't a single thing you can do because there's this great weight of evidence that I have seen that convinces me Christianity is right. So if you ask me the question, what what single measurement could you show that general relativity is wrong? Well, I guarantee if that one measurement comes up, people are going to say, okay, general relativity is right. How do we explain that? Because there's this weight of evidence that points to general relativity being true. Um, You know, I'm not going to be so bold as to claim. Well, I'm better at observing these things, and so my explanation is better. I know people people would argue, yeah, the Quran's a better explanation. People, no, naturalism is better explanation. I, you know, so there, there's all sorts of people doing that. Uh, But I do think, you know, you ask me what what evidence would show me that Christianity is wrong. Well, in that. I have to put that new piece of evidence in with the existing body of evidence that I find strong evidence, or that I find is strong evidence pointing to the truth of Christianity. Now, a fascinating discussion is, and I, and I, yeah, this probably this gets way outside of cosmology is why, when you and I are largely looking at the same body of evidence, why are you persuaded or tend to believe that there's no God? And why am I persuaded or tend to believe that there is a God? I think that would be a fascinating discussion, but that's not a cosmology discussion. That's a, sure. I would but say, I a can psychological logical I,
2: I can answer that actually, because I, I that? like that question. Okay. Um, I would say this because for, uh, most of the explanations that we have today are naturalistic explanations. So based on that trend, I would say that I'm more or less confident that God is actually losing ground in that sense. So that what normally people refer to the God of the gaps, right? You put God when there are unknowns. Um, so I'm, I subscribe to that to that line of thought. Like right? you are actually, when you find explanation for things, um, you don't need to put God in it. So that I said in my opening statement, there is no currently any scientific laws in physics or astronomy that require gods, any god uh, in in its equations. We can even describe a universe of one particle moving in uh, alone with nothing else, only using quantum mechanics. And that doesn't need a god. Of course, that is not the universe we live in today. But we can actually use everything we've found today without the need of a god. So, I would actually say that that's the reason why I tend to think the explanation would be something naturalistic. But
1: isn't that, I mean, isn't that smuggling in a philosophical assumption about things in this sense that um, if I understood your statements earlier, is that science is this uh, how do we look, how can we explain things? And we're looking for we're we're largely looking i mean we're looking for natural explanations that's that's the I would argue that's basically the one of the not preconditions that's one of the functions of science how can we explain the natural world using natural explanations and we've got various natural tools that we can do to do or that we can do to, u- to utilize that um, my recollection from our earlier discussion was okay science is good at describing what's there then at some point you have to step outside and say okay Let's look at what is science telling us in the bigger picture. So that's a philosophical discussion, not a scientific question, correct? Yep, yeah, okay. Sure. So if you're going to step out and say, well, hey, I can find a sci- or I can find a, a, a natural explanation for all the phenomena that I see in the world, don't you also have to explain why do all the phenomena in the world work the way they do? And don't you have to explain why my mind can comprehend the natural phenomena in the world? And that, that's because to me, that's the place where, where when you ask those sorts of questions, why does science work in the first place? Christianity has a good explanation for why science works. I don't see where the naturalistic paradigm, uh, where there isn't a God, how you get to the place where we can trust that our minds actually understand creation.
2: So what would would be the questions? So the question was, why,
1: why, if there's no God, why can our minds understand the way the
2: universe works? I don't have an answer for that. So that would be, uh, I don't know. So, okay. All right. Yep. That's more philosophical. I would say that uh, actually. astronomical.
1: Why, if there's no God, does, does the universe behave so reliably, regularly, and orderly?
2: So my actual question would be I don't know and nobody really does but um, we we can say because it's just the way it is okay. All right. the laws of physics are the way they are and yeah so maybe maybe we got confused a little bit because i I actually yes took this position of saying like yeah we don't really know right like we we, we cannot really access more than what we, we We know now with the current theories. But um, yeah, it could be God, right? We can even try to um, describe its nature, his nature or whatever, with with a future theory that we find. Um, But when we... So that would mean that that now God stops being in this supernatural world, right? Because kind of... This is scientific method is rooted in the methodology, methodology, uh, methodology. I cannot say it. Um, naturalism, right? <laughs> methodology. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm tired today. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, um, naturalism right so assuming that what we can access with what we measure is it's the natural world it's not saying that it's everything that it is only natural but at least in practice what we can measure what we can access is actually the natural world so if we can actually find that god is the explanation that means we will bring him like back to the to the natural world instead of now this it is now in the kind of supernatural right so that's why i think the discussion got a little bit. Muddled.
1: Well, okay. So let me, um, you know, you made a a mention of the more we find natural explanations, the more we're relegating God to a small and smaller corner. You're kind of the God of the gaps. Because I think I I don't dispute that there are a lot of people, Christians in particular, who kind of think that way. But that's never been the way Christianity, as articulated in scripture, has thought about that. I mean, you know, fundamentally, God is supernatural, He exists independent outside of creation. But scripture also is very clear that he is eminent, that he fills creation. And so uh, if I, you know, the, the natural extrapolation of that is that there's a regular and order layer or there, there's a the way creation looks reflects his nature in a lot of ways. And so that's why there's an order and a regularity the reason why we can study and understand in fact god's command to adam and eve was to uh rule or rule or be fruitful multiply rule over the earth and subdue it well that rule over and subduing has this connotation of understanding and fulfill you know that, that it kind of has the almost the seeds of scientific hey go explore understand how it works so that you can take care of it well um but the fact that god is transcendent and eminent that he's outside of creation but also fills creation means that there's, that that to me explains why we can actually describe how creation works, that we can come up with the laws of physics, describe why gravity works, because it's a reflection of who he is, but there's also an aspect where he transcends. So it's not an either or, he's either naturalistic or supernaturalistic. He's supernatural, but also fills creation. And so has, that's what, that's to me, is what actually provides the philosophical preconditions for science to work. It's orderly and regular. We're created in his image. Um, There's ways that it could be other than the way it is. So that's where the let's actually make measurements and figure out what's what's really going on, not what could be. Just because it's logically possible doesn't mean it actually happens. We got to figure out what's really going on. Um, And that's why our minds can understand it. And so, uh, you know, my my contention would be, and then obviously we disagree or we wouldn't be having a debate, um, is that. (laughs) In the same way general relativity has less parameters, less things that need to be injected for it to work, when you talk about not only, you know, okay, so what are the explanations within science, but why, you know, step outside and say, okay, what's the best explanation for why science works, Christianity has less tunable parameters there, it seems to make the most sense of why science works, not that it works, or as well as that it works. So. Um, you know, and, and all that said, I, you know, I think there's obviously studied people have come to their, you know, people have studied this seriously, and you know, you've come to a different conclusion on that than I have. I think it's a fascinating discussion as to what leads us to that. Uh, is it is it strictly the evidence points to either God or not God, or are there other things at play there?
0: I can give you a chance to respond, Felipe. Otherwise, you can go into the Q and A shortly, or even right now, but. Otherwise, if you want a chance to respond before we do.
2: Yeah, I just just wanted to say that, um, yeah, because you you are making this claim that the things, we can understand things because of Christianity. And and for me, that doesn't seem really fair. It's like you are are doing a post hoc rationalization of what you already find in your in your bible right and that i that for me it doesn't really seem fair it doesn't seem like a novel prediction because you cannot really distinguish it from the is the way it is because it, it is like this we'll jump,
0: jump into the uh, q want to let you know, folks, if you'd like to hear Dr. Zwiering's response on this particular question, his link is in the description. You can both listen to and read plenty of his comments, as well as if you'd like to hear more from Dr. Gorkovich, you can hear more from his link in the description box. And that includes in the podcast, as we link our guests there as well. We're going to jump into the Q&A. As a reminder, thanks so much for your super chats, 100% of which are going to orphans across the world who are in need. And... First question coming in from Mr. Monster says, was it, let's see, so more of a biological design type argument or question, but we'll, we'll run through it anyway, Jeff. So they said, was intelligent design, was it intelligent design for God to place my breathing hole and eating hole right next to each other, given that there's a possibility that I might choke? So a little bit off topic, but well, we'll humor them. Uh, any thoughts, Jeff?
1: So I will answer that question with an analogy that, uh, I have gotten into my house. I, I do repair work on my house every now and again. And, uh, you know, the, every now and again, I'm getting in there and I'm like, I'll run across something and it's like, this is stupid. Why is it this way? Um, because it gets in the way of what I want to do or what my immediate project. And very often, uh, when I actually kind of keep working and it's like, Oh, this is what that person was doing. Once I understood it had a purpose, I'm looking, it's like, yes, it accomplishes the purpose that it was designed for. Uh, And so, you know, uh, my front, one of those examples is my front light. In order for uh, my front light to be on, I have to turn the front light on, but I have to go to one of the bedrooms and turn the light switch on. I'm like, well, that's kind of stupid. I just want to be able to turn the light on and off. But then I realized, the person who lived here before me needed to turn the light off as they were going to bed so that they had light while they were getting through the house. So what looked like this bad design from my perspective, when I looked at it from the perspective of this other person, it was like, oh yes, that made sense. All that to say is that when we look at biological designs and we say, well, what you eat and what you smell might cause you to choke, uh, we also have to ask the bigger question. There's more to what God, you know, let's understand what God has done. If you know, if, if we're gonna claim that God has done that, let's actually understand everything and then ask the question, is this the best design? Rather than trying to find this one little thing that seems, hey, this seems like a bad design. Let's make sure we understand the whole picture first. And generally, once we've done that, we found that things that look like bad designs turned out to be very elegant designs.
0: You got it, and this one coming in, from contrarian 420 says would both guests agree this is something that I, I was hoping you guys might understand sometimes i don't get the question because i've been kind of sitting in idle mode rather than debating but they said would the guests agree that the menu is not the meal is namely that any measurement is not actually the thing being measured not sure what type of uh, analogy or figure of speech is being used here do you guys does that click with you guys
1: I, I'm trying to wrestle with what that means. Now I, I would, uh... I would agree that it, that it sounds like we say, all right, well, I'm measuring an electron going across. Really what I'm measuring is if an electron is there, we expect this sort of behavior and I will see an accumulation of charge, which I measure by a deflection in a particular type of meter or you know a reading on a certain type of meter. So when I look at the certain type of meter, I'm not measuring an electron, I'm measuring something that by extrepo- or by my theory says that this was caused by an electron. I don't know that, that 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 seems kind of a statement of what's... Uh, yeah, well, of course, that's the way it is, which so it makes me think I'm missing part of the question there. But I don't know, Felipe, do you have any thoughts?
2: No, I think they're just trying to say, like, when we observe light from a star, we say this, what we are observing is the light of a star. Well, maybe it's not the light of a star. We are just actually measuring light, right? Mm-hmm. So the problem comes when you actually say, when you try to go further, not yeah, but of course, if you are not saying that, if you are saying I'm measuring this, I'm measuring light, I'm measuring like uh, the difference in, in charge or whatever, there is no problem in that. The problem, not problem, but the, the, you have to be careful when you are actually going step further to mm-hmm. to give explanations to things. I so would it's a
1: difference between I can make an observation and my meter reads X, Y, or Z, there's an inference of what that what caused that, just that's distinguishing happening. between observation and inference. Yeah, no, I would agree there. You got it. This one
0: coming in from Mr. Monster says, this is similar to a question that came up before. So if that's the case, let me know, Jeff, as I know you gave a response to one that's a lot like it. They said, the model of cosmology does not fit with the narrative that a sky could come before the land and sea. How can the sky come before the land and the sea?
1: I'm not, I, so I I wonder if this is related to, well, in Genesis, it says day one, day two, day three. Um, my position is that if you're going to look at, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to look for the theological content, you read through Genesis 1 according to the theological rules. If you're going to compare it with what scientific, the scientific studies say, you do what's you know, you you follow good scientific thought in that. And uh, you know so one of the first things is establishing the frame of reference. So Genesis one, two puts the frame of reference, which is the Holy Spirit, on the surface of the waters, and it's dark and it's formless and it's void and it's covered in water. And so day 1 is or where the light sh- where on day 1 where the light is separated from the darkness the sun already exists cuz that was created in the beginning. This, the, on day one, you have a clearing of the atmosphere, so the light from the sun can reach the surface of the earth, like on a cloudy day. Day two is the separating of the waters above from the waters below. That's a stable water cycle. Day three, formation of land and and the plants. Day four, now you have a further clearing, so you can see the objects in the heavens. So, uh, I. There are ways to read Genesis 1 that are scientifically ludicrous, but I think when you do a careful reading, there's ways that are true to what we know about how to interpret Scripture that align with what we find scientifically. So I think it's important to put both our scientific understanding and our theological understanding or our, our understanding of, of the Scripture in the best possible light and say, do they conflict or not? And, I, and I've not found a genuine conflict when I've done that.
0: You got it logical plausible probable thanks to your question this is for felipe said quote you said the only things that are evidence must be observed do you therefore ignore inference for example to do you reject forensic
2: science
0: that uses inferences
2: but you start from observations right (laughs) so yeah that no i don't reject inference you make inferences based on what you observe and the base of what you know from, so from the going down this pyramid of knowledge, so I, I know I'm not rejecting inference whatsoever.
0: You got it. And Jordan K asks, is the claim quote God exists unquote falsifiable? If so, what would falsify it? I think this is for you, Jeff, but maybe for both. I don't know.
1: So I, I think if you're going to say, does God exist? You have to talk about which God. Um, and that's, that's why, again, I restrict myself to Christianity and say, okay, what I have to ask, what does scripture say about that God? And is there anything that would weigh in scientifically on whether that God exists? I think if the resurrection didn't happen, then yes, God doesn't exist. If there's no beginning, I think that's a much, that, that would go a long way towards saying God does, or at least the God of Christianity doesn't exist. Um, I do think we need to be careful, though, because uh, when we talk about things being falsifiable, um, the way we're headed in science right now is to talk about things in the context of a multiverse. And so uh, if we're talking about things in the context of a multiverse, anything that could possibly happen can happen. And if that's where we end up, which seems to be the direction a lot of scientists are going, This idea of falsifiability is going to go out the window because if it's logically possible, you can no longer falsify it. And God is certainly logically possible and in that sense would not be falsifiable. I would say the God of the Bible is falsifiable because the Bible says makes certain claims about what happened. And if we find that when we genuinely put scripture in the best light and what we find in scientific and those contradict, that would say uh, either science is wrong or God doesn't exist. One of the two. You got it. And
0: General B, thanks for
1: your super sticker in
0: support of the cause, as well as thanks for your question from Jojo Freelancer KUP says, what did God do, though, before he created the universe? I mean, all the time, if God is eternal, did God always create things or question mark?
1: I'm assuming that's for me. You bet. Well, see, time is a created quantity. And so, you know, when, again, this is a, a, a far more complex theological discussion than I'm going to give an answer. But God exists in the eternal now. There is. So when we think of, wow, that'd be a long time for God to exist. God is at the beginning, the end. He fills time. He fills. So he just simply exists and he chose to create this universe, the fact that we can talk about time, time is so fundamental to our existence. We tend to think God is constrained or operates in the same way, but God exists outside of the time, space, time reality of our universe. And so he it's not like God's just sitting around for eternity thinking, oh, I hope it gets, I can't wait till T equals zero so I can start the universe. God just exists timelessly uh, in, in his very fundamental essence. And so it, it's, again, I, I love these questions because they force me to think theologically correctly about who God is and not uh, not apply things that I think are fundamental to me as though they apply to God.
0: You got it, and Thanks for your question. Christos Varelis, this is very close to the ones uh, before, but in case you— uh, given that this is our last question we'll run through it they said does science show that animals appeared on earth before plants so a lot like two of the questions asked one during the debate one during the q a but we'll give you a chance jeff if you'd like to tackle it
1: uh that requires more knowledge of bio or the the geo or biological history than i do um than i know i know there are uh my understanding is that plants have been uh, you know what i don't i don't have enough to weigh in on whether that's correct or not i'd have to go read about it more so that's something felipe raised too so it gives me a challenge to go out and read a little more carefully about you got it. But want to say, folks, our guests
0: are linked in the description. We highly encourage you to check out those links so that you can hear or read more from each of our guests. And that includes at the podcast where we link our guests there in the description box as well. want to say thank you very much, Jeff and Felipe. It has been a true pleasure to
1: have you guys on with us today. Well, thanks. Thanks a lot, uh, James. I appreciated the interaction with Felipe and hope we can do something again. Yeah, thank you. It was very lovely.
0: Lovely discussion. The pleasure was all mine. Folks, stick around. I'll be back with a post-credit scene updating you about upcoming debates. So stick around for that, and I'll be right back. gentlemen thrilled to have you here hope you are doing well excited to say hello to you in the old chat as well as to say hey if you guys enjoyed this debate and you're like you know I was actually just talking to a friend of mine just recently and you're like I think they might enjoy this I would highly encourage you even if you were talking about a related topic share this video with them as they might enjoy getting to hear both sides as well and that is so easy just below the video you see there's a share button That's one way that you can get the word out, and that helps us grow as we are absolutely passionate about our vision of providing a neutral platform so that everybody can make their case on a level playing field. My friends, we want to give everybody a fair shot at making their case in debates, whether it be Christians, atheists, Muslims, you name it. We are glad to host them, and we're glad that you are here in chat as well. Want to encourage you as always. Striving to grow academically as we all are. Want to encourage you to attack the arguments instead of the person, as we really do appreciate both Jeff and Felipe as an example. So, if you happen to leave comments, want to let you know we do appreciate it when people attack the arguments instead of the person, as we really do appreciate the guests. They're the lifeblood of the channel, you guys. They make the channel fun, and we really do appreciate them. Also, thanks for your support of the cause today, namely. Through the Super Chats that came in today, 100% of them, and you're like, you mean 100% after YouTube takes their cut? No, I mean 100% of them, full 100% will be going to Orphans Worldwide, which is an organization helping orphans throughout the planet, people who are less fortunate than ourselves and that's something again i think we have though we may disagree on many things politics religion you name it we have things in common such as wanting to help those who are less fortunate which is something that's important to us at day debate as well as everybody i think wants a fair shot namely everybody wants it to be the case that there's a neutral platform so that everyone has their chance at making their case to the world where it's fair and on a level playing field so that's something i want to say thank you guys for your support of the channel and as i said if you want to click that share button down below you can share this channel as well as this debate with somebody that you were maybe discussing this with as of late and want to say thank you guys for all of your huge support of the channel though thanks for hitting that like button we just hit 100 likes thanks for that that really does mean a lot i seriously bet we could hit 110 if you haven't yet if you want to support the channel that's away free hey doesn't cost you a dime, but helps us in the algorithm so that YouTube will show this video to more people. So especially if you're thinking, man, I really thought my side was more persuasive in this debate. Well, that is the perfect reason to hit the like button because more people will see this debate when you do hit the like button. And Sideshow Nav says, wanna be a moderator for modern day debate? Easy to do, just contact me in Discord, Sideshow Nav, and I'm gonna pin this comment at the top of the chat. And send and, or you can send an email to moderated debate moderator at gmail.com. And that's absolutely true. We do appreciate all of the help from Bob in getting the moderators on the same page. As we do have rules, we want to follow the terms of service with YouTube because YouTube helps us grow. They support us by recommending our videos to people all the time. I do also want to want to say thank you. We have channel memberships, and these are our amazing level members, Don Fulman, Ozzie and Tox, and Scott Mitchell. Thanks for your support of Modern Day Debate through your channel memberships at the amazing third tier level. We really do appreciate that. Now, you might be wondering, James, like, what do you mean? What's with uh, Modern Day Debate here? I've got to tell you, we recognize, and I really do believe this, it is a sad state of the world that I would say mainstream media, whether it be politically left or politically right There's a very clear skew or bias. Nobody can, you know, people used to, I'd say back in 2014, people used to to say, oh, not my side, though, only the other side. And I think now people are starting to kind of say, yeah, mainstream media, very controlled. One example being what stories or ideas they even want to allow on their news channel and so for us at modern day debate we are absolutely determined we want to give everybody a fair shot we want to be open to the most controversial of topics that YouTube will allow us and we want to let the chips fall where they may. We want to let it be such that it's authentic conversations. It's not overly produced where we're trying to kind of like shape and kind of say like, oh, you, you can't say that. We do let the speakers know like, hey, you know, people say whatever they want. We let the chips fall where they may. We let a thousand flowers bloom. It's, a, it's at least authentic it's raw, it's unedited, it's real, and that's i think what people are actually wanting today is real discussion on the big questions of our day, and it's something that frankly i don't think that the mainstream media is really delivering on. And you might be thinking, "James, come on, you're 66,000 subscribers, you're tiny." Or is it 67,000 oh, now? Really? Wow. 67,000 subscribers, you're tiny. Believe me. Joe Rogan as an example it took him about 13 years to get where he is my dear friends it's going to take us some time but we're determined and with consistency and continually trying to self improve changing modern day debate to fit what people are really looking for and tweaking kind of working on ourselves. We absolutely believe with that personal growth and development, as well as consistency, we will be a force to be reckoned with. It's happening. My dear friends, I gotta tell you, we just actually hit 60,000 subs at the start of the year. We are already at 67,000, and what is it? 400. So we are absolutely, absolutely thrilled for that support. Join us while we are small. My dear friends, I'm telling you, someday we're gonna look back and we're gonna say, wow, you remember when we were at 67,000 and we were just kind of a small channel still? believe me thanks for renewing your membership brian stevens we really do appreciate that has been a member for nine months we really do appreciate the support brian and i've got to tell you there are a lot of longtime supporters here so brian stevens is one of them it's good to see you brian as always general balzac has been around for a long time as well and i gotta tell you sideshow nav has been around let's farm has been around for a long time and by the way let's farm has done a fantastic job of building up the discord for modern day debate That is linked in the description box here on YouTube. I highly encourage you. Check it out. If you haven't already, it's a great community. It's growing fast, and we really do appreciate Let's Farm for all of his work, as well as the moderators that have been assisting him there. And thanks to Brooke, who is our main moderator over at Twitch. It was a little bit more calm. So if you like a little bit more slow of a live chat, Twitch is a little bit more peaceful that way and good to see you there in the old twitch chat i want to say hello let's farm shanty shed leanto as well as one is it one gigabyte one gigabyte yanan let me know if i'm saying it right but we're glad you're here i see you there in the old twitch chat and in the old youtube chat thanks for your channel membership support dan zammit good to have you with us jeremy nolan as well as Doorknob had longtime viewer, Factitionalist Network, that's Kaz, if you didn't know, who is a guest moderator oftentimes, along with Amy, we're super thankful for our guest moderators as that helps me a ton, as oftentimes I really need the help, and they have honestly done a fantastic job, I'm so thankful that they have jumped in and moderated and done a great job at that, so Illuminate, happy to have you with us, as well as Absolute Death, Don Willis, and Erataza. Hazala. we are glad you were here, as well as Rebel Nazarene. Glad to have you with us. Iron Horse, good to see you. I hope you are doing well. And TJ fifty seven, glad you are with us. D Ross, good to see you. Longtime viewer. Crow Magnan, I recognize that name. Another longtime viewer. Thanks for being here. D. Ross, we are happy you were here. And Nehat Nehat, thanks for coming by. We hope you're doing well. And Perfect One, good to see you. Longtime viewer as well. I've got to tell you, my dear friends, we are excited that today's fundraiser will, like I said, a hundred percent of the super chats will be going to orphans around the world. Thank you guys for supporting that cause with us. That's important to us. We want to make a difference. And that's the thing, folks. I am, I'm not going to challenge the people I want to challenge in particular. There are some YouTubers, there are some Twitch streamers, and they may say, I'm going to challenge them. And maybe, you know, maybe they do. Maybe they do secretly give to causes that they care about. I've got to give you I've got to give credit where it's due. One example is, regardless of what you think of his other stances, because I'm not defending. I I don't agree with everything that Vosh says, but I've got to tell you, Vosh has done more than one 24-hour charity stream for causes he's cared about, such as children in Ukraine or people in Ukraine more generally, as it's obviously being destroyed by war right now. I've got to say regardless of what you think about his opinions on whatever other matter, the fact that he's willing to do 24-hour streams and stay up all night, and then in some of these cases raising $200,000 and then just giving it all away. I've got to say, Vosh puts his money where his mouth is. And there are a lot of streamers out there where I would say they talk the talk. They might say like, oh, we really care about this cause. And I would say some of them... They're doing very well for themselves in terms of you see the super chats or the, you know, the subscribers on Twitch and things like that to where you can see that they're pulling in a lot of revenue in business speak. But at the same time, it's kind of like, well, I've got to say Vosh really does beat out everybody in terms of raising funds for causes he cares about. I've got to give credit where it's due, regardless of whether or not I agree, because there are plenty of things I disagree with Vosh. Frankly, almost everything. (laughs) No offense to Vosh, but it's true. We, we disagree a lot, but I've got to tell you, I do. I recognize that the guy walks the walk when it comes to actually sacrificing. And so that's something that there are a lot of YouTube influencers out there that I will say, they'll say, Oh, we really care about this cause. And you know, they'll do videos on it and they'll do tweets where they're shaming people. It's like, Oh, we care about it though. Not those people. They don't care about it, but they really don't put their money where their mouth is. And I've got to say, that's something for me i'm kind of wondering i'm like it's one thing to talk about it it's one thing to be about it and so thanks for helping us be about it at modern day debate by putting in those super chats today or i think it was a couple weeks ago we had a debate on the war in ukraine and that was a fundraiser as well so thanks for your support as we really want to take action and not just talk and that's one thing too i've got to tell you one thing that's a pet peeve of mine is so many people on twitter seem to think oh well, well i'm i am taking action i might not sacrifice any of my own funds like some of these other influencers but i i yell at people on twitter that's my moral good that i'm doing it's like well how does that practically speaking affect people throughout the world in terms of helping put food in their stomach or clothes on their bodies there are people that are in many cases just so less fortunate than us to which some people really think that they're doing, oh, I'm doing the Lord's work by because I'm on Twitter shaming people. And it's like, you are not doing anything. You are just getting off. You are just getting your uh, jollies off of putting other people saying, oh, that side is bad and that person's bad, blah, blah, blah. And I would say, actually take action. That's something that's important to us. But thanks, Joseph Magnani says, love this channel. Thanks, Joseph. That seriously means a lot. We really do appreciate that. And... Grim Theorist, glad to have you here. Says, great job, James. Thanks for that. We really do appreciate that. Means a lot, Grim Theorist. And let's see here. Let me catch up with the old chat. It's moving fast on me. Jojo Freelancer KUP says, hi. Glad to have you with us, Jojo. And amazing. My dear friends, we're excited about the future, though. And thank you, guys. Illuminate says, Vosh raised $300,000. So a quarter, or not a quarter, over a quarter. That's $300,000 over a quarter of a million bucks and just gave it all away. And people might say like, Oh, well, you know, Vosh, but he has so much money, you know, cause he's got so many subscribers, et cetera, is that's true. He has a lot of money, but there are a lot of people, a lot of influencers with the same amount of money and they're not giving anything, at least not that what we can tell. And they're certainly not doing all night long streams to do, you know, raise funds for that. So I've got to tell you, I don't agree with Vosh on everything either, but I gotta tell you, compared to a lot of streamers, I care about action. That's what we care about here at Modern Day Debate, not just talking about things. Let's see here. But I wanna say thank you guys for being with us. I am excited to see you at the next one, which I anticipate... Let me just pull up the calendar, because I did say I'll let you guys know about upcoming debates. We haven't put it up yet, but Mr. Girl will be debating Daniel Hikachu on whether or not sexual liberation is good. You don't want to miss that one. Then next week, we are possibly hosting a a debate on whether or not there is evidence for God. That one one probably will be put off. I'm still kind of figuring that one out. But let me see here. We are excited as well we will be hosting a debate on whether or not islam is dangerous you don't want to miss that one that'll be juicy and controversial and want to say though thanks guys for all of your support of modern day debate we are excited about the future and believe me it is a bright future it is a big future we are working on making things better all the time And thank you guys for all of your support thanks to absolute death says thank you mr james appreciate that absolute death that means a lot church of entropy says maybe the debate could be called should we believe in god Thank you for that feedback. And HI Aristoslis, Aris thanks for coming by. We are glad you are here. And thank you guys for all your support, though. We are excited as we continue to pursue fulfilling the vision of providing a neutral platform so that everybody can make their case on a level playing field, my friend. So thanks for all of your guys' support. We love having you here. Thanks, guys. I'm excited to see you in the next one. And then, of course, this debate that you would probably seen at the bottom right of your screen. We are potentially hosting the return of Flat Earth next month. So it is a while. It's going to be a while yet before it comes back. But you don't want to miss that one that's going to be a juicy one. So thanks for your support, everybody. And we look forward to seeing you on the next one Friday night.